Hey, good morning, everybody. So great to get to be with you. If we haven't met, my name is Christian McLean. I get to be worship leader here and really excited to get to share a passage with you this morning and do something a little different. So thankful for our team as well, always. I know I say this every time, but they are amazing. Can we thank them? Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. They led really strong this morning. Hey, let's, uh, let's start with a word of prayer, all right? God, we're in this place this morning so thankful for you. We're asking you to come and meet us right where we are. And God, as we look at your word and hear what you might have to say to us this morning, I just pray there'd be peace where there needs to be peace for all of us. There'd be comfort where there needs to be comfort. There'd be joy where there needs to be joy. And God, above all, that you would be glorified and we'd hear from you. We thank you for the blessings that are all around us, and it's in your name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Well, welcome once again. Hey, if you're watching online with us as well, really happy to have you. This morning, we're going to look at a passage in Scripture in the book of Matthew, and we're also going to be taking a very specific look at a word that we hear a lot around this time of year, and it's holiday season, and Thanksgiving, and Christmas. That word is blessed. This word is blessed. And I think around this time of year, if we tune in enough, we can kind of hear it everywhere. Like it's in commercials, it's in our prayers, it's uh, maybe around the table for you on Thanksgiving if you looked around and saw some family members you haven't seen in a while, some friends you haven't seen in a while. And maybe there's just this deep kind of feeling in your bones of, man, I feel so blessed. Look at the food that's on the table, look at the dessert and how we just ate into a food coma. Like we're so blessed, right? And very often I think... We hear this word, maybe it was in a prayer around your table as well, maybe someone grabbed the hand next to you and they started off the prayer by saying, thank you God for the blessings that are in our lives. Maybe you know this guy, there's, there's, there's some people in our lives, maybe you have one, that if you walk up to them and you shake their hand and you say, hey, how you doing today? They go, I'm blessed and highly favored. And you're like, whoa, all right, I would have said I'm doing good, but that's fine, that's you. And they come out hot. They go, I'm blessed and highly favored. And you're like, all right, that's awesome, right? We all have that one person in our lives. And we actually sang this word already once this morning. We sang, I am blessed, I'm called, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm saved in Jesus' name. I can't get over how true that is, right? That song goes too quick. I love it. We're blessed. And so we hear this word often in this time of year. And if we do these holidays uh, correctly, if we slow down just enough, to take a minute to rest and to kind of lean into these blessings, I think the holidays serve as a reminder of how blessed we really are. If we slow down enough, we might be able to see it. But the key word of that sentence, right, is that it serves as a reminder of how blessed we are. Because if we're being honest with ourselves this morning, we need that reminder. Because every day in the kind of day-to-day grind of our work and how busy life gets and how crazy life is, it's really easy to forget about those blessings. Or another way to phrase it might be, it's really easy for the blessings to become blurry. It's not that they're not there. There are things that are amazing and good and true and beautiful all around us in our lives, but sometimes there's things that get in the way that make them harder to see, right? And so we look forward to the holidays because these times, they really let us hopefully slow down and spend time with the people we love and give gifts to each other and talk about thankfulness and talk about gratitude. And we're reminded of the blessings because we need the reminders because in our usual everyday lives, the blessings become blurry very quickly, right? And so what do we do when that happens? I think for a lot of us, what happens when the blessings become blurry is we start a search for clarity, right? Because blurriness causes confusion. I don't know if you've ever had this before, but 
Uh, has anyone ever tried to show you a picture on their phone of their vacation or something? They're so excited, right? They're like, you've got to see this photo. This photo is amazing. And you're like, oh, that's great. And they show you the picture, and all of a sudden, you are staring at the blurriest picture you've ever seen in your entire life. You're trying to control your face. You're trying to show some positivity and be like, oh, this is great. But you're like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. This might be the ocean. This might be a monkey. This might be a piece of pie. I have no idea what I'm seeing. What I do see for sure is your thumb in the photo. So why are you showcasing this one, right? Like, if you took a million pictures on your vacation, you show me the one with the thumb in it. Great. If you've ever been in that position before, blurriness causes confusion. And I think a lot of the times that scenario looks like our lives. There is something beautiful in the picture of our lives, but something might be in the way of us seeing it. Something might get in the way and cause it to feel a little blurry sometimes. And so when those things become blurry, we start to search for clarity. And I think we search in a lot of different ways. Just to guess a few, I think sometimes we search for clarity in the sense that we, we might find clarity in having a little bit more, kind of like what Trisha talked about a moment ago. If we just had a little bit more, then maybe things would be clear again. Maybe I'd feel better again. And so we search in the wrong areas. I'm not dissing Black Friday by any means. I got some good deals. I hope you did too. But it is really interesting, right? It speaks something about our culture that we spend 24 hours talking about thankfulness and family and all these things, and then immediately we go right back to the material, and we want something more. And so we go from 7 p.m. having dinner with our family to 4 a.m. fighting with people about the TV, right? I'm not dissing it, but it does speak something about our culture and how busy and how blurry things can get. So often we search for clarity and we look for more, something to fill that void. Sometimes we search for clarity in, in another area, which is trying to see ourselves through other people's eyes. And so all of a sudden we think we can find clarity if we can just pinpoint what other people think of us. So the Facebook comments mean a lot and the Instagram likes mean a lot. And we start to see how much the other people's opinions can get into our hearts and bury itself into our lives. And all along we're searching for validation from other people. That's just another way that the blessings can become blurrier and blurrier and we look for clarity and we try to see what matters most but we just lose sight of it because something might be in the way. I think for a lot of us, I know it happens for me too, that when the blessings become blurry, what really happens the most is that we miss the moments that really matter. I think so often for us, it can be so easy to be so focused on the wrong things and not even know it. And so we miss the moments that matter most at least I do. There was this moment a few months ago in which I, I missed a moment that I wish I really, really would have been present for. See, for me, anxiety is one of these things that makes blessings blurry. Because anxiety has this way of pulling you from the positive toward the negative. It kind of just lets you know, yeah, there are some good things and there's, there's a lot going on in your life, but let's focus on all the things to worry about, right? Like there's this and this and this and, and it keeps you up at night and just wants you to focus on the negative so often, at least it does for me. And so this one particular night, it was about two in the morning and I was up and I was anxious and I was stressed and I'm thinking and I'm praying and I'm, I'm trying to write out some notes into a notebook and it was all based around this email I had received. This email just kind of hit right at the right moment. You ever had some words spoken to you or some words written to you in an email and you're just a little vulnerable and they just hit a little deeper than they might have any other time. And these words just hurt and cut me deep. So I'm up and I'm thinking, I'm processing, I'm writing like drafts of a response to the email and throwing them out and going, oh, this is crazy. I'm like really, really, really anxious. My wife is sleeping next to me because that's what normal people do at 2.30 in the morning is they sleep. It's fascinating to me. They just can just fall asleep. It's kind of amazing. So she's sleeping next to me, and I think she can feel a little bit of this anxious 
kind of emotion that I'm in, and half asleep, she just turns over and she puts her hand on my arm, and she says, I love you, and she falls back asleep, which is adorable, and she's sitting right there, so you should awe a little bit more. <laughs> oh. This is an adorable, adorable moment, but you want to know what I did? I completely brushed it off completely brushed it off, didn't even hear what she said. Because if you would have asked me in that moment what was happening, I would have said, well, that's interrupting me from my anxiousness. How dare she try to distract me with her love, right? <laughs> but it wasn't until about 30 minutes later that I put the notebook down. I just kind of started to think about this scenario that I was in a little bit more, and I looked over, her hand was still on my arm. I heard the words that she said. This beautiful woman who's laying next to me, I, I barely get to deserve to be her husband, right? And she's incredible. And she speaks words of affirmation. And she says one of the most powerful things that a human being can say to another human being. She says, I love you. And I brush it off to think about the words that someone wrote to me and I barely knew them. This is what it looks like when the blessings become blurry. We miss the moments that really, really matter. I don't have kids yet, but I have heard from parents time and time again that it can be really easy to walk in the door after a long work day and you have the weight of all the decisions you've made on your shoulders. You have the weight of that entire eight hours of work and the drive home, you walk in, the computer bag's still on your shoulder and you know how many emails there still are to answer in that bag after dinner. And I've heard time and time from uh, parents where they say, that's right when the kids run up and they want to hang out and they're excited to see you and they want to tell you about their day. So often these parents tell me that sometimes they go to bed at night with so much regret because they knew that they didn't choose that moment. They didn't choose that one to invest with them. They chose the emails. They chose a little bit more work, a little bit more, because this is what life does. It pulls you away from the positive. It pulls you away from the things that really matter. Work is important. Things have to get done. I understand that. But I think we can all agree that we want to be a little bit more open-eyed to the blessings around us. Amen? This isn't just in our relationships either. It also can happen in our faith. If we're not careful, we can look back over the past month and we can say, man, I got so pulled away from every single thing that really matters. I haven't been to church in a month. I haven't seen my community and my family at Shepherd's Gate in a month. I haven't spent time in the Word on my own in a month. I haven't spent quality time in our house church or whatever it might be for you. But so often we can look back and we can see that we always chose the temporary instead of the eternal. And so what do we do? When the blessings become blurry in our lives, what do we do to find clarity? The good news is that this morning we're going to turn to Jesus, and we're going to turn to a passage in Scripture, and we're going to find the answer to when blessings become blurry. So if you'd pull out your Bibles uh, with me, page 822 is where we're going to be. Some of you are already there. That's awesome. Matthew chapter 16, right at the top of page 822. We're going to start in verse 5. A little context to what's happening in this passage for you. This passage starts with Jesus, a great place to start. In the few verses that uh, were right before verse 5, Jesus has an interaction with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If you don't know who, they're there, who they are, that's all right. I'll give you a little bit about who they are. The Pharisees and the Sadducees in Jesus' time, they were religious leaders held in very high esteem. They were very respected. But when Jesus comes to earth, he starts to have these duels with them. He starts to kind of battle with them on what they're teaching. 
And it's really, really interesting to watch because he kind of comes on the scene. He starts to kind of have these little sparring matches of like, yeah, you teach this, but maybe you could think about it this way and all these things, right? So that he kind of has these matches and this is one of them. So in verse one of this book, Jesus has an interaction with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They come together with a crowd and they come at Jesus and they say, hey, do one of your magic tricks for us. Do one of your signs. Do one of your miracles. We want to see it. And they're taunting him. They're teasing him. They're saying, all right, you say that you're the son of God. Let's see it, right? Prove to us that you're going to do something amazing. Do one of your magic tricks. And Jesus, super cool, he looks back at them and he gives them a metaphor about weather. I love that. Jesus sometimes speaks in metaphor. You have to do a little bit of work to see what he actually is talking about. So he gives them a metaphor about weather, but she completely blindsided him. And he goes, I'm not going to do a sign, and he leaves. After he leaves, he turns to his disciples, and he has this conversation that we're going to look at together. The top of page 822, starting at verse 5, says this, When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. What's happening here? The disciples are worried about lunch. Make no mistake. You might be worried about lunch right now. We'll get you out of here soon, I promise. (laughs) Disciples are worried about lunch. They say, we forgot the bread. And so Jesus says, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, I know nothing about baking whatsoever at all. I don't know anything. If you ask me to make you cupcakes, I have no idea where to even begin with that. But I did research leaven, so good for us, because that word threw me off when I read this passage. Did it throw you off too? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now remember, Jesus sometimes speaks in metaphor. You have to do a little bit of work to get to the heart of what he's saying. So what he's saying is, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Leaven also means yeast. And so a little bit of yeast can cause a lot of dough to rise, or so I assume. I don't know anything about baking, remember? I just said that. So... A little bit of yeast can cause a lot of dough to rise. What does that mean? What he's saying is, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The false teaching that they're trying to give to you, the evil in what they're saying, can do a lot of damage and it doesn't take a lot. So a little bit of yeast goes a long way. A little bit of false teaching does a lot of damage too. So be careful. Focus on the right things. Stay focused on me. Stay focused. Don't let them distract you. Don't let them pull you away. Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. An incredible teaching, incredible encouragement for the disciples and for us this morning. But, in verse 7, it says, And they, the disciples, began discussing it amongst themselves. And they say this fascinating response. Are you ready for it? We brought no bread. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Imagine this scene, right? Jesus says this amazing, encouraging thing to them, and it's loaded with truth, and it's really, really cool how it's wrapped in metaphor. The disciples go, all right, let's take a minute. What did he just say? And they turn to each other into a huddle, and they go, all right, he talked about leaven. Oh, we got it. Who should say it? Me? I'll say it. You're talking about bread. We don't have any bread. We were just worried about lunch. What are we going to do about the sandwiches, Jesus? We're on the same page. They're worried about bread. Their big response to his amazing teaching is, we brought no bread. And so Jesus, it says this, aware of this. Oh, you of little faith, is Jesus speaking, why are you discussing amongst yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus says, do you remember that a little while ago? I fed 5,000 people 
with five loaves of bread, and you took home more leftovers than Thanksgiving. Loaded them into your car. They didn't have cars, but that's fine. He says, keep in mind, you don't need a hunger for bread. Focus on what's happening here. Hunger for truth. Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Watch and beware. Be careful. Focus on the right things. Stay with me. In the end of this passage, it says, then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread with the teaching of Pharisees and Sadducees. They get it. I don't know about you, when we start this passage, it can be really easy to look at being in the disciples' shoes and to think, man, if I could just have Jesus physically sitting in front of me and teaching me, I'd have it all together, right? Like if Jesus was physically standing right here, I would not be on the stage, by the way, but if Jesus was physically right here in front of us, no book in between, he's just talking face to face, it's really easy for us to read scripture and say, man, that would be incredible. I wouldn't ever miss it. And yet, exactly what the disciples needs is right in front of them, and they miss it completely. And so then it can be easy to try to mock the disciples and to say, oh, that's so silly. They were talking about lunch the whole time. Oh, they were so dumb, right? But lest we forget, just like we said at the beginning, this is us as well. It's so often exactly what we need. An incredible blessing, an incredible teaching, an incredible encouragement, words of affirmation, anything. It can all be right in front of us and we completely miss the point, no matter how close it may be. So Jesus is already saying to them, be careful, focus on the right things. The world's gonna try to distract you. You're going to hear a lot of false teaching along the way, but stay with me. Stay focused. This passage keeps going. Verse 13, we pick up and it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi. I love that. Can we say that on three? One, two, three. Caesarea Philippi. That was much better than 830. I'm not going to lie. That's going to be on the recording now that I said that, but that's all right. That was really, really good. <laughs> when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples a question. He says to his disciples, his closest friends, he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? What have you heard on the street? What have you heard around town? Who do people say the Son of Man is? Tell me what you've heard. And the disciples answer, they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They give him what they've heard on the street, the gossip about Jesus. What's fascinating is, these are all wrong answers, right? They give a bunch of things that they've heard, but it doesn't mean it's correct. And so Jesus asks a follow-up question. I can imagine him pulling his friends closer, the people that have been traveling with him for a while, the people that he knew the best on earth in that moment. And he asks him another question. He says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It's a fascinating question. I think it's important to note that Jesus here is speaking in complete security of who he is. He knows exactly who he is in the Father. So often we can ask the question, who do people say that I am, and then try to live by it, right? We can try to see ourselves through other people's eyes, but Jesus asked this question in complete security and complete foundation of knowing who he is in the Father, and he says, but who do you say that I am, my closest friends? And Simon Peter, I can imagine him raising his hand, and he says this, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We read that today and we go, hey, he had the right answer. That's awesome. But just take a minute to feel the weight of what's happening here. Peter says, the Messiah that was promised to us hundreds of years ago, 
the Savior who is promised would come and bring freedom and bring grace and bring love and bring hope and salvation to our lives, finally. The one who would set us free, the one that we've been told our entire lives, and we've read these scriptures and we've been waiting for him, that's you. You're him. You're the one that's gonna set us free. You're the one that's gonna bring restoration between us and the Father once and for all. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's you, I believe it. Peter speaks incredible, powerful words of truth in this moment. And he says, it's you. You're finally here. We know that it's true. I love to imagine Jesus looking into Peter's eyes and he says three words right at the top. And I think it's in these three words that we find the answer to what we do when we're searching for clarity. We find the answer to what we do when every blessing in our lives seems blurry and we've been distracted and pulled away so many times. Because when Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus looks into Peter's eyes and in three words, he says, you are blessed. You are blessed. Why? Because you know me. Because you know who I am. You know that, yes, I am the Savior who's going to set you free. I am the Savior who came to earth just to come and get you. And there is grace over your life, and there is love, and there's hope over your life now. Because you know that, because you know me, it's a done deal. It's as simple as this. You're blessed. If we ever feel like things are blurry, we can remember the beginning and the end of our foundation, the beginning and the end of our blessing starts and ends with him and with him alone. Amen, church. He is truly where our blessing comes from. And I love what he says to Peter in this moment. He says, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So he's saying, Peter alone doesn't get the props for the right answer. God showed Peter the answer and then Peter spoke it. But what's beautiful about that? God didn't want Peter to miss it. God didn't want Peter to miss this lifelong, everlasting truth and blessing that Jesus was pouring out. And I can't help but shake the feeling that this morning God does not want us to miss this either. In a world that might never have been so blurry, in a world that really easily tangles up and tries to pit us against each other and tries to tell us that the things that matter are not the things that matter at all, hear this this morning. God doesn't want you to miss it. He's right in front of you. Don't miss this one. He's saying you're blessed and you're called and you're healed and you're whole and you're saved by the power of Jesus' name. You are highly favored. You are anointed. You are filled with his power for the glory of his name. So as you step back out into the blurriness, as you step back out into a chaotic world, you carry clarity with you. You carry blessing with you. And when this world tries to pull you into fear, when this world tries to pull you into anxiety and stress and worry, and the things that so easily distract us, we stand rooted in a foundation that says, no, my God is my blessing and I cannot be moved. God doesn't want us to miss it this morning because in a world full of blurriness, Jesus is our clarity. And we know who we are because we know who he is. As we say, God, you are the one who's come to save me and set me free, he says, you're blessed. It's as simple as that. Before we close this morning, I think it's really special to see the definition of the word blessed that Jesus speaks. It's on your outline. When Jesus speaks in, in the original language that he spoke in, the definition of the word blessed that he speaks to Peter and that he speaks to us this morning is this. More, 
than a temporary or circumstantial feeling of happiness. This is a lifelong state of well-being with God our Father. This blessing is not just a blessing that will last through Christmas. And on December 26th, we don't know what to do with ourselves. This is a blessing that is so much more than just a feeling of happiness. This blessing lasts a lifetime. And so today in your seat, you sit as a child of God, redeemed by him, because you know him, that blessing lasts your entire life. So it means a lot's going to change, right? It means that as we step back out into that world, we know that we carry this blessing and this clarity with us each and every day. Because this is more than just a temporary or circumstantial feeling of happiness. This truly is a blessing that lasts a lifetime. Today our worship team is going to come back up and we're going to close with a song. And this song over and over again says, I am who you say I am. And I pray this morning that we could sing those words with new confidence and with new boldness. And that we could know deep down in our hearts that we are who he says we are. We are blessed. And so would you stand to your feet? We're going to take a moment just to pray and then we're going to sing. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we give you praise and we give you all of our thankfulness this morning. And we know full well that every single blessing comes from you. So God, I pray this morning that for each and every heart that's in this room, as we walk out these doors and we step into another week, God, that we could carry a clarity with us in a blurry world that says, no, I know who my blessing comes from. It comes from knowing my Savior, and he is the author of every single blessing that pours out in my life. He is the author of the blessing of my family. He's the author of the blessing of my friends. He's the author of the blessing of my church community. Every great thing I have comes from him, and I know that. So I stand rooted in a world that tries to distract me. God, we thank you that we are who you say we are. That we're blessed. So this morning I offer to you a benediction and I pray that these words would ring clear in your hearts this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace now and forever. Amen.